Welcome to part three of Health System CIO's interview with Craig Richardville, CIO at SCL Health. In this segment, Richardville talks about the tremendous learning experience he had during his year-long CIO sabbatical, how startups and small companies can help provide a bridge between flat, and why he believes the ultimate vision of digital health is more about being managed and less about being physically seen. Now, what was it about SCL that, that appealed to you? That's an easy question. When I uh, came and talked to the senior team, it was a, a very dynamic, a very intentful, purposeful, caring, thoughtful, all thought leaders in their own areas of space, larger visionary of where they want to go. So it really was the people that drew me to it. So the members, uh, the CEO, down to the rest of the members of the C-suite and the uh, others that I had spoken to, really the visions of how I would see the industry maturing into a digital industry that delivers health care, the compassion and the, the mission of this organization and the values that it believes in. It's all about the people and the people really, how they saw the vision. And I was fortunate enough, like I said, to be able to get access to their strategic plan of where they were going over the next five to six years. And that really aligned very quickly with where I thought the industry was going. It aligns with where I thought some of the services that we could partner with and support the rest of the team on in order to accelerate uh, those successes all fell in the line. And so it was a very uh, open, collaborative uh, team approach. So the teamwork and the value system of the key leaders of this organization who have sold me on coming to SCL Health. Okay. And before this, you were out of the CIO role for about a year. I can imagine that a lot of what you experienced during that time, how that changed some ways that you do things. Can you talk about like how that time has changed your thinking and how you are applying that in your current role? Yeah. So in that year in between, I spent a lot of time talking and learning with a lot of uh, smaller organizations or smaller companies that provided products, provided services. And I went through about 60 companies and a lot of time with their CEOs, their board members, other investors, how they were approaching uh, the different markets, how they were moving forward with their product or service. Some of them were healthcare specific. Many of them were just technology industries. And, you know, and as a CIO previously for many years and fortunate enough to have great teams that we've gotten a lot of accolades and awards and have achieved a lot of success. Some of the things that I saw moving forward was really still some of these larger programs that I talked to you about, but a lot more change in the organization I think will come from smaller, innovative, entrepreneurial type of organizations that have very low investments of either time or money or capital, but have huge returns back to the organization. And I really became very enlightened about this new workforce coming in, having three sons in their 20s, as well as the new um, ways of how we're going to achieve success. So it wasn't always going to be the large ones that would differentiate you. So it's not going to yeah. be the Apple per se. It's not going to be the service now. It's not going to be your major ERP vendors. It's going to be a lot of the things around it and how you take advantage of the investments that they've made in those platforms and then playing with the, a bunch of little niche applications or vendors that really can add a uh, – a lot of value back to the organization that it may be undeveloped or underdeveloped with these larger platforms. So I think it's important to have the base. 
but it's also important to make sure that you can understand where you want to go to that original platform for versus finding what I would call in many cases, what we've defined as kind of a bridge strategy. So the main company may not be able to have that module completed or work its way toward it until maybe two or three years from now. So we'll partner with somebody who can fill that gap, provide a return on making that investment, and allow us to transition to the larger platform in the future. Or in some cases, they may ride it for a little bit longer, not necessarily quote-unquote be a bridge, but maybe part yeah. of our solution back all together. But we still are very much mitigating and minimizing the number of partners that we have. The ones that we have, we are standardizing across all of our care site locations or all of our clinics or all of our system services areas so that we do have a single solution that everybody is uh, partnering with and is, um, is, is utilizing as part of their processes. Right. And it's really interesting because you were kind of enabled to get that perspective that otherwise may not have happened. Yeah, that's right. It's almost like a little sabbatical because you always find yourself in a lot of your time with a major system and a major CIO role is really tying into the large ones because that's where you're spending a lot of your money. So it is a yeah. lot of investment. You want to try to get the most out of it. It certainly is kind of like the 80-20 rule where 80% of your time is not with this other 20%. But I think what you find is that, you know, if you can open up your eyes and allow maybe some other people to, to manage parts of those relationships, that will free up your time to focus on some of these other successes. And these other successes may at some point be a really big success. However, at least for the moment, you know, for a small investment of your time and of your capital, you can get a larger return with some of these smaller partners. And so I, I really think that uh, kind of opened my eyes that there's a lot of neat, innovative work that's happening out there on Silicon Valley, Silicon Alley, or anywhere else in between. Yeah. And you've got to keep yourself open to uh, some of those to, to really, I think, um, have a large return on small investments. Right. And, and kind of along those lines, when you look at healthcare's transition to a digital industry, which I know that I think you've talked about that in the past, and the CIO's role in that, what do you think are some other things that maybe need to happen to move that along? I mean, looking at looking outside of traditional partners maybe is one, but then what's another thing that really think that you think is key to helping to to tr kind of guide that transition? Yeah, that's one of the things that I did back in uh, Charlotte, and I hope we have the opportunity to do it here, especially in the Denver area, because they're more ripe for the, the large urban markets, is really look outside of your industry into all the industries, yeah. all the other industries, and capture the things that are similar going all the way across and applying those into healthcare. People have a tendency to say the healthcare might be a little bit behind. I may need to recruit outside of healthcare to bring in people with other ideas and fresh thoughts, but if you do your learnings right and partner and create the network both in and, and outside of healthcare, that allows you to grasp a lot of those little pieces, those nuggets, and bring that back uh, to your organization to truly really make a difference. So I think the more that we can continue to leverage each other across multiple industries and truly transition ourselves to be very consumer-centric and consumer-based, that will allow us to really move the orientation toward a digital industry. And, you know, what I mean by that or partially is if you look at some people are very proud to say, I've never been into a bank in the last three years or the last five years. Right. 
or I never walked into a mall or a store in the last X amount of years. They're still gaining all those services. They're just doing it in a digital arena in a whole different yeah. environment. And so as people continue to utilize those, that's the expectation that we're creating and the expectation that we have an obligation to deliver to separate ourselves uh, within healthcare. And so that's why when you look at typical healthcare hours a decade ago, it was 8 to 5 or 7 to 4, because that was convenient for the healthcare system and for the provider network. But truly, myself, I need healthcare 724. And the time that I have access is typically outside of the normal day because I'm working as well. So I can't see my provider very easily between, you know, 7 and 5 or 8 and 6. I have to see them on the off hours, on the weekends, et cetera, because that's when I am available. And that's when you're starting to see a lot of expanded hours, the rise of urgent care centers, uh, the rise of people using EPs for primary care services, but also then we started seeing more of a rise of telehealth in the digital world and doing virtual visits or virtual video visits or virtual e-visits, uh, doing a little more self-diagnosis. You started seeing a lot of that rise as well because that I can do 724. And as long as I'm that provider that allows that kind of access, and allows us to be able to meet those demands of the consumer versus the patient that will allow us to continue to uh, migrate towards and hopefully, in many cases, accelerate that movement into it. So at some point, you know, somebody who's healthy and well may, may be very proud, just like a person today who has not been to a bank or seen their financial advisor for several years, so I haven't seen a healthcare provider for years. Yet I'm yeah. healthy, I'm well, I'm being taken care of, I'm being monitored, I'm being managed, but I don't have that physical presence because it's all happening around me in the whole digital space. And I, I think we'll continue to evolve and accelerate that. And in many cases, I would argue that we've surpassed a lot of the simplicity or complexity that happens in some of the other industries. So, for example, people like to be analogous to the financial services and healthcare mm-hmm. to say, I can go to any ATM in the world and get my cash. Well, the reality right. is you don't have access to all your financial services. You have access to your savings and your checking primarily and maybe a yeah. credit card. But you have all your investments, all your stock. You can't go to kiosks. You can't easily bring all that up, nor can you easily put all that into one portfolio. Yet there's an right. expectation here which has all that data, and then more to be able to have all that together. A lot of work to be done, but, but I can get access to my problem list, my medications, my allergies, my procedures. I do have access to that anywhere in the world through my phone. And so, you know, I could say that's similar to what's happening within financial services. Do I have access to every single transaction that has happened in financial services? No. And do I have access to all of that within healthcare? No. So I think there's cases where actually we could make an argument of how we have surpassed some of the other industries. However, I think as a consumer, they're all kind of leveling out, becoming very close. And you're seeing a mixture, right? So you're seeing some people who are settling upon who still like the bricks and mortar and the physical presence. They still go to the physical stores, the banking, see the advisor. Then you got some who are told, I guess, that they're using robo-investors. And in healthcare, it's very similar. You start seeing some people who are, very much into managing and taking care of things automatically, some like the physical presence. I think the reality is that some kind of a hybrid in between continue to grow and lean toward digital. I think healthcare will continue to mature at an accelerating rate and catch up 
to some of these other industries that's been doing it for, you know, a couple of decades. But we're yeah. we'll catch up fairly quick, and in some cases, like I said, I believe we actually, in my opinion, surpassed them. So the CIO role really isn't as centric to the industry, the vertical industry anymore, as it is to it's just kind of moving things toward the new technology era and the digital era, uh, regardless of the industry that you're serving. Right. Yeah, you have a lot of really good points there, especially those comparisons that we hear a lot. And it, it seems like it really is a really exciting time, too. I mean, granted, there is so much to do and there's so much going on, but it really is exciting. And I think it's important sometimes to kind of sit back and, and look at how much is being accomplished right now. Yeah, definitely, and it'll continue. I mean, it's, I think it's the most exciting time, certainly for many of us that have been in the industry, but the, the advantage of those, like my children, they're 20, so I have one that's a physician. The other two, uh, one works in patient access, one works in financial services, and the future for them is yet to be defined and how they're going to want to create that over the next decade or two and how the next generation will be served by the healthcare industry is going to be so dramatically different because they have different expectations. They don't have the same guardrails that some other people have. And I think you'll start seeing a lot of the financing around healthcare to support ourselves to move more into that direction. And as that continues to churn and move into there with clinically integrated networks, less fee-for-service, more value-based care, you'll see these different ways of delivering service both on the care side and the maintenance of health that continue to accelerate and be adopted by our consumers. Yeah, it, it certainly sounds like you, you really kind of jumped back in. And not that you were on a vacation before. It, it seems like you've been able to really get into the role, and uh, and it, it seems like it was the right move for sure. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Again, it's an amazing organization. It's made up of tremendous leaders. And, you know, that's, that was certainly uh, a big key component of the decision. And when you look at how we're positioning ourselves to lead and exceed, and it's really a fun time. And it's a great organization that to be placed in that top quartile or top decile of healthcare systems that are truly leading a lot of this change. Yeah. All right. Well, I can uh, I can always talk to you for longer. There is a lot of exciting stuff going on, and you've had a, a heck of a, of a first five months, so I definitely would like to catch up down the road. <laughs> yeah, you bet. I definitely would like to stay in touch, Kate. All right, great. That sounds great. Good. All right, well, thanks again, and I'll speak to you soon. Okay. Thank you, Kate. Talk to you later. Okay. Bye-bye. Bye. Thank you for listening to this podcast from healthsystemcio.com. To hear other podcasts, visit our website or subscribe to our account in iTunes at healthsystemcio.com backslash podcast.